Sometimes, when I'm really frustrated and need to clear my head, I just get into my golf cart and floor it around the lot. Speed limit's five miles per hour, but I'll go six or seven. I don't care. Oh, 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 my goodness. Watch where you're going, Frog. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry, Lawrence. Uh, uh, hey, hey, when are you going to come do the show? Well, if it keeps on sucking the way it did last night, never! Oh, yeah, good to see you, too. Good grief. I feel like everything is slipping away. The show, Piggy. My vertical leap. But if this is who she wants to be, what can I do? It's her life. It's her show. Hmm. Maybe I need to remind her of that. Hmm. Hey, Kermit. Yeah? I just want to say I'm sorry about what I said about your show sucking. Yeah? I just had a really rough night. Oh, I'm sorry. What happened? I watched your show, and it sucked! <laughs> 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 Muppet Show is over, you know where to go. Come on down to Ralph's Tavern and let's talk Muppets. Hello and welcome to Ralph's Tavern. On the menu today we've got a toast and a roast, favorites, and more. Today's house special is Hostile Makeover, the second episode of The Muppets on ABC. Joining us this week is Steve Swanson from The Muppet Cast. And now here's your host, J.D. Hansel. Hey, here we are again. We made it to episode two of Let's Talk Muppets, the Muppet Review Show. And look who's here to join us. Except you can't look because it's a podcast, so I'll tell you. It's Steve Swanson, the host of The Muppet Cast, which is available in iTunes under the name The Muppet Cast, and can also be found at MuppetCast.com, which is the website for The Muppet Cast, hosted by Steve Swanson. Hey, Steve Swanson of The Muppet Cast, how are you? Hey, look at me. How are you? Hi, you did my whole intro for me. Glad to be here. Well, you know, just in case people don't know, because I know that from from last episode, I know that I don't have a good habit of telling people exactly uh, what you do and where you're from and what your podcast is. Can you tell us a bit about your show? Well, I think you just did, but okay, sure. Hi, I'm Steve Swanson. I'm the host of the Muppet Cast, which you can okay, find that's at good. Muppet. Okay, good. Great. So uh, I am so glad that we've made it to the second episode of this podcast, because as the listeners may have noticed... Uh, I still had a lot of things to figure out for episode one. That was sort of a test run, uh, a pilot, if you will. But now I've got the opportunity to work out some of the kinks. Uh, I mean, after all, you wouldn't demand perfection of a show that's just started. And you certainly wouldn't overanalyze it for hours with your friends, right? I mean, definitely not. Definitely yeah, not. Certainly. So now I've learned a few things that I think might help this show a bit since episode one. Uh, the first of which is making sure I mentioned a little bit more housekeeping stuff at the beginning. For example, our guest today is Steve Swanson of Get This, the Muppet Cast, available at MuppetCast.com. Hi, how you doing? I'm Steve Swanson, the host of The Muppet Cast, and you can find that at MuppetCast.com, and my email address is me, M-E, at MuppetCast.com. We haven't my gotten Twitter to feed. that part yet, Stephen. Oh, okay. Let's Talk Muppets is a production of MuppetHub.com, where the Muppetational comes together. You can also find this in iTunes under the 11-point collar feed, which is our main podcast at MuppetHub, by the way, and it's also available on 11-point collar's YouTube channel. I've also learned from this, uh, from episode one of Let's Talk Muppets, that is, that... I think I do a bit better when it's not late at night and I can be a bit more focused. So right now we're recording this midday. I'm hoping that I'll be able to uh, keep things a bit a bit more concise, a bit uh, held together a bit better. 
I'm not doing a very good example of that right now. It's not going well so far, no. Yeah, so far. Nope, okay. Well, scratch that theory. Okay. Whatever. I'll work out what I can in the editing, but hopefully it'll at least be a little bit snappier, a bit of a faster pace, um, and not so drowsy as the first episode, which reminded me of Dr. Teeth's song in, uh, in Hostile Makeover which is the episode that we're talking about today. I also kind of got a sense for uh, how we could add a bit more structure to the show, and I'm still trying to figure out what segments work and what segments don't, but what we know thus far is that a toast and a roast is kind of one of the best things that's ever happened in my podcasting career, so we are definitely doing that segment some more. Right? I'm sorry, is this still the intro? Well, sort of, yeah. Why? Oh, okay. It's it's. I, I just looking at my watch. Okay, all right. That's that's great. <sighs> Thank you for your moral support, Steve. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you want to jump right in? Let's and jump right the, in. Uh, yes, let's do get it. To the story synopsis, so we can tell people what happened in this episode. So I've got nobody the, uh, watched it but us. Uh, that's exactly right. Right. Certainly not those people in Canada. No. So. I've got the official story synopsis from ABC, which says the following. Code Red! Code Red! Miss Piggy is in a snit. Ms. They Piggy's used the word snit. snit, huh? They did. Right, mm-hmm. That's like right at the beginning of the ABC's official... Whatever. Code Green is when she's calm, so there hasn't been one of those to date. Miss Piggy's latest outburst is due to the fact that the People's Choice Awards are coming up and she doesn't have a date. It's up to Kermit to change that. Sadly, Jeff Goldblum is happily married, and Keanu Reeves has put on 100 pounds for an upcoming role. Any thoughts on the episode so far, Steve? Uh, I enjoyed the line about, uh, how dare you think you can fix this with cake? Yep. Give me that cake! Great moment, great moment. Josh Groban, oh my gosh, the official synopsis says Joss Groban. No, it doesn't. It does. Go to abc.com right now. I am going to abc.com right now. Second paragraph. Okay, hold on. Typing with one hand here. The, it's actually not doing anything when I click on it. That's really rather odd. Uh, I'm going to reload the page and try again. Nope. I'm just going to have to take your word for it. That is the weirdest thing. ABC, yes, your, uh, your you, website's you do broken, is, guys. What you do is you actually want to click on the video for the full-length episode, for watching the full-length episode on ABC.com. Okay. And under that is the full description. Weird. It's actually, uh, I mean, it's just not working for me. So I'm going to have to take your word for it. But uh, anyways, let's, uh, let's, let's keep well, going. There's obviously no way in which I could have planned for you to not know what I'm talking about, so you have to trust me when I start telling ridiculous stories. So anyway, yes. the official synopsis says that Joss Groban is booked to be on Up Late with Miss Poogie, and Kerman cooks up a plan to make the unsuspecting singer and his emotional ex fall in love during an overproduced duet. It works! Piggy is suddenly as pleasant as can be. To everyone she sees, Kermit declares that for the first time in forever. Nope, I'm moving on. They are nope, in a code I'm, green. I'm just, I'm just shaking my head. You're doing they very are in well, code though. Green. Yay! This is very so, clever. What? No, nothing. Keep going. You're good. Okay. As it turns out, Josh Groban is much more than a musician. He's also a producer. Piggy's new boyfriend has some ideas for the show. One notion is to have the band go. Turning the page. Nope. Turn to the wrong page. By the way, this is ABC's official 10-page long synopsis, so we're going to be here a while. Mm -hmm. Go acoustic. This doesn't quite work with a group called the Electric Mayhem. 
This is spoiling a lot of the jokes. What is the point of this? Who wrote this? I don't know. Who wrote this? Well, whatever. We'll just blame Dozier. Okay, um, that's fine. But, hmm, you know, it's still early on in this podcast's development. I betcha that we could still get away with switching things around and doing first impressions before the story synopsis. I bet we could. That would probably make more sense, yeah. because then once we got the first impressions out of the way, then we could comment on every element of the story afterwards. Okay, let's do it. Okay, I'm backing up. Cancel everything that just happened. Erase that from your thoughts. And now it's time to switch segments, mid-segment. Can't you tell how wonderfully organized this podcast is? So perfectly structured. Let's switch segments and go over to, if I can find the right piece of paper, I printed out too many things. Let's go to first impressions. So... Steve, I'll let you go first if you want to. What is your first impression of this episode? Sure, this was a lot stronger than last week's show. Last week's was great, and as we've already talked about, it's you can't be perfect your first time out. But this, uh, this built on everything that we started up with uh, the week before. I thought the jokes were funnier. I thought, well, of course, there was a lot more new material also. We didn't have to go back and revisit a lot of that uh, sizzle reel material anymore. We're past all of that. So... For starters, just the fact that we had everything new to work with, uh, I didn't know it was coming, and everything, I thought the jokes hit harder, the everything, the, the storyline was better, I thought Zoot was even better than last week, uh, we'll talk more about Zoot, I'm sure, he was still probably my favorite character of the whole thing, um, so just everything overall was better. Last week, I gave that first episode uh, a 7 out of 10. Really, it was kind of more of a 5, but every now and then it got up to a 7. This one, I would actually give this an 8. This was even better than last week in every possible way. Every possible way only adds up to an 8 for you. Well, because it's only the second episode. Let's see where we go. Okay. You're not being too picky at all. Not at all. I didn't write five pages of material to do on this podcast, by the way. I, I, did, I, I did not write five pages of material. Most of it is taken up by ABC's crazy story synopsis that didn't even spell Josh Groban's name right. Oh, okay. So there. Hmm. Yes. Anyway, for my first impression, I give it five oinks. No, um, see what I did there? I did. Yep, you're you're doing fine, buddy. Keep going. Okay, making sure I because uh, I didn't want to. If I got the reference wrong, oh boy, would I be in trouble with the Muppet fan community? Because mm. we know that all the Muppet fans everywhere are listening to this. I really, really do like this episode a lot. I think I do like it a bit better than the first episode. I won't go so far as Steve goes to say that it is totally better, um, but I will say that on the whole, I think it is probably stronger, if only because. We've gotten through some of the really, really tricky parts, like how we're going to handle the Kermit Piggy breakup, yeah. getting used to uh, the new show's just new vibe and new environment and new tone. All of the stuff that we have to get used to that makes this show a little difficult for older Muppet fans, uh, or rather Muppet fans who are used to older material... A lot of that's kind of out of the way to a certain extent. We're over that hump, and we're starting to get used to it. And I think that part of the reason why this seems like a better episode is simply that we're starting to get used to it. Part of it is that they don't have to deal with quite as much um, controversial material, you might say. Good heavens, my microphone's levels are randomly spiking up and then coming back down. How's your battery? 
I have no idea where I was, but I think that just as I have worked out so many kinks with my recording equipment just now, The Muppets has finally worked out some of the kinks in its uh, general stuffity stuff. I have no idea where I was going with that segue. Rats! That's So okay. close to a good segue. Never mind. Forget segues. I liked it. That's my review. Good. There. We can end this podcast now. All I right. liked it. Well, goodbye, everyone. And by that, I mean, let's continue going through the story. And now we actually get to comment on what's in the story. So, first of all, I think we should address something that everyone's been talking about, which is the similarities between this show and other shows that have recently been on television. I find it interesting that before the first episode of The New Muppet Show aired, everyone described it as being The Muppets Meet the Office, whereas I was getting more of a 30 Rock vibe. After the first episode premiered, that's when everyone else started saying it was The Muppets do 30 Rock, uh, which I find interesting since 30 Rock is already extremely similar to the original Muppet Show when you think about it. In this episode, we really see the dynamic between Kermit and Piggy as a spot-on display of the dynamic between Liz Lemon and Jenna Maroney, but instead of it feeling like an imitation, it's entirely natural. In my view, this is the way that I like seeing Miss Piggy portrayed, as the Jenna Maroney type. That's the way I was hoping she would be portrayed uh, before this show started airing. I'm happy to see that that's the way it's being done. She's still being written for quite well, in my view, and I am very, very happy about that. I am happy for the pig, and I am quite pleased with the writers. Do you have anything to add, Steve? Definitely agree with that. Uh, now, I never watched 30 Rock a whole lot uh, to begin with, but... I do agree in the fact that I like how Piggy is being portrayed. I, we, we've definitely had lots to talk about in the past about um, things that we've been dissatisfied with, but I really think that they've, they've found a way to present her absolutely perfectly here. Yes, indeed. So going back to the beginning of the story, I mean, Zoot, once again, oh, has yeah. one of the first and one of the best moments in the episode. I laugh. I mean, a, a good belly laugh. That was hilarious. It's. <laughs> I want to see Zoot I, do that every week. That that would be well. If they do that every week on the show, we can have a Zoot segment every week in this podcast. You could. So now everyone has to go. <laughs> be sure that you tweet at all of the people involved in the Muppets on ABC and say, make sure that Zoot has a line in every single episode. Well. It, more correctly, make sure that Zoot has some kind of adult line or dirty joke in every episode. Really, Steve? You, you require that exactly? I do. That I do. Yes. I'm very exacting, as you know. All right. Well, moving on. Where were we in the story, anyway? Um, not very far along. Yeah, really not very far at all. Um, I mean, the story synopsis isn't even mentioning the first setup for... Uh, Fozzie getting the invite to Jay Leno's house, at which point we learn about Gonzo's poor mother, who <laughs> you have to feel bad for in this one. But at the same time, it's quite funny. I just wish we actually got to see Gonzo's mother at some point because I'm really curious about what she looks like. Oh, I know. Even just making allusions to her is funny, but it would be even funny if we actually got to see her for something. But uh, yeah, that was a nice little running storyline. So in the future, let's uh, let's try to have a Muppet family reunion episode where we get to see. I mean, this entirely nullifies the premise of Muppets from Space that he doesn't have a family, but 
who cares? That's just a movie anyway. We've already known that that doesn't count. Now, that's uh, something that some I've time. actually had some comments about. Um, the fact that, the well, the, the quote, it's just a movie thing. This is the first show to come along in a while where they can't say that. Anything that happens on the show, this is supposed to be the quote-unquote real-life Muppets. So we can't... So now, I think, Gonzo that has excuse, a mother, right? Yeah, that excuse doesn't work anymore. Uh-huh. You're right. That changes so many things. It really does. And there's no excuse if there's ever a slip-up. This is... This is not just a movie anymore, folks. This is serious now. Because it's television. It's real. Because it's television. Yeah. So Uncle Deadly is awesome in this one. I love uh, Uncle Deadly in this. It seems like he's going to be pretty great throughout the whole series, from what I can tell. But uh, when Scooter says Piggy doesn't have a date to the People's Choice Awards, Deadly says, Shocking. She seems like such pleasant company. Which is pretty much my response to anyone who was upset with Kermit for breaking up with Miss Piggy and treated him like the bad guy. <laughs> like, when has she ever seemed like a pleasant person to be around? That's very true. Also, She's the fact had... that he, uh, well, since he is sort of Piggy's caretaker, it seems, um, he gets to, to bear the brunt of a lot of her lovely personality. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if Kermit quite deliberately made sure that someone like Uncle Deadly who who has um hasn't had the best relationship with the Muppets in the past, if you recall, being on Tex Richmond's side uh, in the 2011 movie and before that on The Muppet Show, mm-hmm. being the phantom of the Muppet Theater. This may sort of kind of be his payback. Now he has been assigned the job of putting up with the pig. That's very possible. We'll never know unless they write an episode about it. There are so many things that I want them to write an episode about. I still really want them to write an episode about Kim, but we'll see. I don't they think won't. You're, gonna, you're not going to get that one. No. Yeah, no. Did you catch Beautiful Day Monster in this one? Several times, yes. That was awesome. It's so odd. how so- I love how they with- throw in characters in the background, right, really. Yeah. Every now and again, when you see one of these classic characters just there, not for any particular reason, just there, it's fun. It well, adds a lot of fun to it. Sh- every shot has layers, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yes. what's going on right in the foreground, what you're supposed to be looking at, and then there's a layer of random background Muppets, and then a layer of random background humans. Mm-hmm. That seems That's to be very good how, point. They, how they stack it up the shots. Yep. Now, Pepe is finally saying funny things instead of his usual shtick, uh, which it, Pepe's dialogue too often consists of hola, CC, and the obligatory reminder that he is an advocate of sassy women's okay. Yes. It's nice to see that not only Piggy has been upgraded to, you know, an actual character with actual funny lines, uh, but also Pepe is getting to be more of an interesting character, which I think we always knew he could be. It's just uh, for a lot of people writing for Pepe, seems to be difficult, and they kind of rely on the usual stuff. But I tell you, in this show, Pepe is great, as it, as is Bobo, as is Big Mean Carl. I mean, we're really finally getting a chance to see Bill Beretta shine. Mm-hmm. So flipping bright. It's great. I don't think any one character really fell flat in this episode. You're right. No one did. Except for Kim, because she wasn't there. Well, no, that's true. Kim clearly dropped the ball. Yes. Yes, she did. 
How, however, the reason why she wasn't there is because she's getting her own spinoff, so they're just saving her oh, big scenes for okay. that. Gotcha. Anyway, as it turns out, Josh Groban is more than a musician, he's also a producer. Uh, Piggy's new boyfriend has some ideas for the show. One notion is to have the band go acoustic. This doesn't quite work since the group is called the Electric Mayhem. The entire studio audience, Statler and Waldorf included, is seen snoozing in their seats as a group as the group plays. Um, there's another grammatical error here now. Who writes this? Did they get Ryan Doja to write this? I was trying to think of a response to that one, but no, there's nothing safe. There's nothing safe. There's I can nothing, say to that without getting no, in trouble. No. Anyway, but can, but, can we back up? Just yeah, go ever ahead. so slightly. Go ahead. Um, the the number starring the number featuring Josh Groban and Miss Piggy. Yes. Statler and Waldorf loved it. Statler loved it. They had nothing. Okay, Statler at least had nothing to say. I don't think that's ever happened before. I'm really thinking hard about this. But Statler's only comment was "woo," which is a weird way of expressing that. For such a, a character. But uh, yeah, then Waldorf looked over and said, did you say woo? Yeah, I can. What does he say? I'm allowed to feel things. So, <laughs> And all the Muppets feeling stuff around Josh Groban. That part got a little weird for me. But other than that, uh, I, I had not seen. I was not expecting a reaction from Statler and Waldorf like that so early on in the show. Yeah. Maybe even ever. Yeah, well... Josh Groban has a magical power over everyone. Remember, he got Pepe to say gender is fluid. Well, that is true. He did. Yes. Groban has a power over everyone. And then, of course, the Swedish chef had a great line, if not yeah. the best line in the show, oh. when he said, De piggin, de Groban, de Groban. Again, just a really funny line that parents are going to love. Kids, it just sounds like something funny that the Swedish chef said. Another yeah. way that the, that this show works on multiple levels, as it should. Indeed. Agreed. Indeed. So the scene in the dressing room was interesting because we saw Kermit flipping out while Miss Piggy remained calm. Oh, that was so funny. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was kind of fun to see because... I loved even though, how Josh was just so condescending. Yeah. And yet still calm and likable at the same time. Oh, man. It was great. Yeah, and it was also nice to see that Yolanda had some lines. It was great for her to be included in this episode, too. Yes, Yolanda is stepping up. It looks like she might be a regular character. Yay, more female Muppets. Huzzah. How about that? Yes. So anyway, I love it when uh, the band plays the song Dead Inside. Mm -hmm. Just hearing Dr. Teeth deliver that was perfect. Piggy's interview with the author, whose name I cannot pronounce, does not do much to wake up the crowd. The entire staff is willing to continue making bad shows if it means Miss Piggy will continue being nice to them. Well, and that author, that interview with the author, whose name I also won't attempt, is just, it's a perfect illustration of why she's not capable of doing something that's intellectual. You know, like that's, that's her big attempt right there. And it's hilarious because it falls flat. Right. Let's go into burnt hamburgers. Let's go into burnt hamburgers. So now's the time when we're going to talk a wee bit about the pigs in this episode. And we've really only got one pig to talk about because Denise is not here. Well, I don't know about that. We saw a lot of Andy and Randy walking around. Did they have any lines? No, they didn't have any lines, but you noticed them. Yeah, they were the actually, first thing you saw in the it's episode. It's true. I was just about to say the exact same thing. They were yeah. the first thing you saw in the episode, which bothers they also were me. On That's the phone. scary. They, they were on the phone bank trying to land a uh, a male, well, trying to land a date for Piggy. 
uh, when they were talking, mm. when they were going back and forth with all the male celebrities. Um, Dude, wait, and I th- Andy and Randy learned how to use telephones? Well, one of them did. Oh. Yes. The other one uh, just keeps yelling at it and beating it with a stick. Well, no, he had the brain for the day, you see. Ah, that's yeah. how it works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But still, the important thing here is Piggy. And this is yes, the is. Piggy report when we get to talk about uh, how we feel about Miss Piggy's performance in this episode. And as I've already mentioned, I like seeing her as the uh, Jenna Maroney type character. But I think we've reached an interesting point in the character's evolution. It's kind of come to a point at which we can go basically in one of two ways with the character. We can either try to get this character to be more of who she was on The Muppet Show, that's, um, well, extremely dimensional, in a lot of pain, very, very layered, Mm. and everything that I've already written about a lot before on MuppetHub.com. But the other option is if she can't be quite as deep as she once was, and I, I, I hope that she can grow to that level again at some point, but I'm, I'm skeptical. Um, but if we have to do something else with the character, then it's interesting for her to just be the joke because of how ignorant she is of everything going on around her. Just blissfully ignorant. Like well, totally- I think that's exactly how this character is created to be for this for this show. I mean, she is the uh, the iron fisted tyrant who runs the show, but really she's absolutely incapable of running the show, which is why Kermit is the one who runs the show. Right. It's just funny to see everything going over her head in this. Oh yeah. yeah. Because if if she understands everything that's going on and still acts terribly, then she's not likable. But if she's naive and she, you know, has on this historian and asks where he gets his ideas and thinks that reporting history shows a lack of imagination, well, then you kind of smile because it's like it's it's uh, naivete. And that's a lot more interesting and appealing than someone who understands what's going on and is still mean to people just because she's a jerk. Yes. It's also interesting to see the way that they keep her from knowing her, you know, her dress size, her weight, her age. She's totally oblivious to the everything. The cocoon of lies that yeah. uh, Uncle Deadly <laughs> yes. alludes to. Yes. yes. That was a great line. So you really get the sense that this whole show is really about a bunch of Muppets that are trying to keep Piggy from having any control over the show at all. And just keep everything running smoothly without her messing up her own show. And that makes it hilarious because when that's the role that she fills and we're not actually expected to, you know, take her seriously, I think that makes the character a lot more likable. Yep, absolutely agree there. So I vote that uh, this... I vote that this hamburger was medium well. There, that's how I'm ending the segment. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll agree with medium well on that, yeah. Yeah, not burned, just right. Yep, yep, not too rare, just not, not, just good. Anyway, continuing back to the story, the entire staff is willing to continue making bad shows if it means Miss Piggy will continue being nice to them. Dr. Teeth says, uh, I love this line, quality-wise, that was prison sushi. Um, and yet they still want to keep Groban on because Scooter got to skip his pre-show cry. Well... Not only that, they they worked up to a line there. I forget exactly how they made the joke, but 
Um, they started off with prison sushi, and then they somehow got to a line about gas station sushi. And then of all people, Lips chimes in to say, and we love our gas station sushi. Yes, it was great seeing Lips get a line. Wow, that was amazing. Like, no one but us would really care about that, but I loved that. Uh-huh. You know, I even saw an article not too long ago. Maybe it was around Christmas time, so maybe it was longer ago than I thought. But it was an article on Muppet Family Christmas. And it was, I think the article was 57 unanswered things about Muppet Family Christmas or something like that. Mm. And the question that kept coming up is, who is this yellow guy with the big hair? Has he ever been in any other Muppet production? And oh, to all geez. of the Muppet fans, it's like, he's been in a ton of Muppet productions. He was on the Muppet Show. He's he was in all every over episode somewhere. Yeah. Yes, it's Lips. It's great to see Lips, and really I do is. believe it was Steve Whitmire performing Lips, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's true. Yes. Yes. So nice to see Steve characters getting dialogue always, especially if it's the rare ones like Lips. So that was mm-hmm. super fun. But Scooter and Animal got to skip their pre-show cries, um, which. It's that's very very spot on for Scooter. It was odd for Animal to have a pre-show cry, but for Scooter to have a pre-show cry, that was hilarious. Mm-hmm, that's exactly yeah. what you would expect of his character. So Scooter has been written more in character in this episode than in the last episode. That being said, I don't think he said anything quite as funny as when he jumped onto Elizabeth Banks in episode one and said, "I'm back." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That was gosh, that was a real standout moment for Scooter. Nothing even can, though nothing it wasn't quite pitch that. perfect, but. I don't think we're going to get back to that anytime soon. Ooh, do I hear a little bit of a pessimist coming out of Steve Swanson hosting the cast? I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll just, I'm just saying we're going to wait and see. Okay. Well, anyway, Kermit is not so happy about the way things are. Too bad he can't get past Josh Groban to talk some sense into his host. He, I, I like how Kermit, actually, I don't know if I like this. I'm confused about this. Kermit calls Josh Groban a dork. But which that was isn't, funny. It was kind of funny, but it's odd hearing Kermit say, out of my way, dork. Like, that's not a name that I'd expect him to call someone because that's more of a middle school insult kind of name. Right. Well, the whole thing was really middle school. You're right. Yeah, I guess that was kind of the point. But yeah, anyway, that's the part when Miss Piggy is getting cooked. uh, And Swedish Chef, again, with a great line. Somebody cooking the bacon. Oh, great. Picking our favorite line for this is going to be really hard. Yes, it is. Uh, the frustrated frog almost crashes a studio golf cart into Lawrence Fishburne, who vows to never do his show because, well, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was, it was a little awkward in a way, just because I'm not used to hearing sucks in a Muppet production, but boy, was it funny. It was great, yeah. Kermit realizes the only way to get the show back to acceptable standards is to appeal to Piggy's need for power. A revised billboard declaring that Up Late with Miss Piggy is now presented by Josh Groban has the desired effect. The velvet-throated well, crew... not only well, that, continue. but it was Josh Groban presents Miss presents Up Late with Miss Piggy. So Josh's name is now first on the sign, which is even right. more significant. You're right. So once again, ABC's story synopsis got it wrong. Oh my wow. gosh, this is going to become its own segment on the show I now. Think, Let's tear I, apart ABC's story synopsis. I, I think perhaps they hired Kim to write the story synopsis. That explains so much. What's that? Now, I'm Kim not in this is episode? going to become oh, the running well, joke yeah. of this show, as she should be. Yeah, they actually also, in this synopsis, forgot to put a space before Lawrence Fishburne's name. So oh it's into goodness. Lawrence, all is one word. 
Mm-hmm. This is going great. This is awesome. Josh, so yeah, it says presented by Josh Groban instead of Josh Groban presents. Um, but the point is, uh, yeah, the velvet-throated crooner is immediately shown the door. Kermit is pleased. Then he's ecstatic his, uh, as his dream of being trapped in an elevator with Leah Thompson is about to come true. Right up until the moment Gonzo jumps in to detail a story about his mother. I liked that closing. That was clever because that had been set too, up at yes. the beginning of the show. And then when it happens at the end, it's like, yes. Yep, so was that was great, great closure. However, now the story synopsis, after we've gotten to the end of that plot, is going to jump over to the B plot where we get Fozzie Bear getting invited to Jay Leno's house where he suddenly develops um, a habit of stealing things. He becomes a kleptomaniac. Yes. That well, was weird. I don't think he... I don't think it was quite written to be like that. That's what it did come off as, yes. But yes. The, the running joke was the, I need a souvenir. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the, the candy dish, making the bowl fit on the top of his head. This is where good puppetry comes in again. Um, I thought that was really well done, and then fitting his hat over top of that. And then later, as he as when he comes back to Jay's house, I thought that was really great, too. Yeah, yeah. Now, to be fair, we have seen the Muppets steal things before. For example, they recently, just like four years ago, stole a Jack Black. So it's not totally out of the question. It's not totally out of the blue. Yes. But Fozzie, to me, has always sort of been, to some small extent, the moral center of the Muppets, who tries to get everyone to do the right thing. And if they don't, he says, shame on you. The moral center, huh? Well, I mean, to a small extent, that's more so Kermit. I'll give um, him, I'll, I think uh, what I will definitely give you is that he is very innocent. Yes. Yes. That's that's probably the better way to put it, I guess, now that I think about it. He's the character that is characterized by innocence. I mean, Sam Eagle would be the moral center, right? According to him, at least. No, because he's just a jerk. Oh, okay. Anyway... The point is, it's a little awkward seeing the most innocent character out of all the Muppets, arguably, committing a crime. And the other Muppets are worried about him getting caught. That seems a little bit backwards. But on the other hand, it's funny, and they still kind of pull it off so it seems like Fozzie would be doing this kind of thing because it's the best day of his life and he wants a souvenir. Right. The problem, of course, is when he gets uh, uh, hooked on it. Well, he doesn't exactly get hooked on, on stealing it, but it becomes a thing where the Muppets... I, I don't know if, if they're really all that concerned about him or if they're just like, you idiot, you know you're going to get caught. You know they, those people have security cameras. You know he saw you on a tape steal that. And so then Fozzie gets all freaked out. And then Angel Marie, not Angel Marie, uh, Big, mean, Big Carl. mean Carl. But Angel take, Marie was also there. He was in, also there with a, with a nice little cameo. Yeah, yes. yeah. But uh, Big Mean Carl de- delivers the message that Jay Leno wants to see him again at his house one-on-one where Fozzie thinks he's caught. And then goes back and realizes, oh, no, he's not caught. Jay wants him to open for him in Vegas. And he's so happy that he needs a souvenir again. Now, he was, of course, intending to return the candy dish. And then it broke when he was talking to us on camera about it. And then Jay talks in his conversation with Fozzie about how that candy dish was actually really important to him. It was actually, you know what, I stole I stole a candy dish from George Carlin's house a long time ago. And you know what, let me go, I'll show it to you. And that's when he goes to find the candy dish and realizes that Fozzie stole it. And that's when everything for Fozzie falls apart. 
and the Vegas deal is off. So moral of the story, kids, is if you steal things, you won't get to open for Jay Leno in Vegas. Well, no, I, I don't think that's it. It's if you steal something, don't try to return it because you'll just wind up breaking it. Maybe the moral of the story is stealing is only acceptable if you're doing it from George Carlin. I think that's where we're really going with this. Yes. Now you know. Okay, on to the third plot, because the synopsis has them all separated. Bobo is trying to sell cookies for his daughter's troop so she can win a mountain bike. The Muppet Newsman also has a box of sweet treats he's looking to unload. He's just hoping to make sales in order to look better than his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. That was funny. I want to know more and more about uh, the newsman's family life. Oh, I know. We have to see more of it. Indeed, indeed. Um, what does it say? Taking a suggestion from Scooter, Bobo boosts slumping sales by targeting the band. That'll work. Thank you for telling me that that will work. <laughs> Story synopsis. Or you can just tell me that it, thanks, it, it did work. Yeah, thanks, Kim. Uh, then it says, forget about the mountain bike. With all the cookie cash Bobo's bringing in, his daughter's getting a Prius. So the electric mayhem, the electric mayhem was fun in this because we learned about both their cookie habit and their drug habit. Yes, we do. We learned that they're high most of the time. Well, we which already we knew already, but now it's confirmed. Yeah. Well, in the um, in the pitch reel, that was one of the funnier jokes. That really stood out to me, and it's nice to see the way that they reworked it into this show, because uh, it's it's fun. It's especially funny hearing that coming from Scooter. Yes, yes, it is. And with that, I think we have described the whole story. Now, is there anything else that you feel the need to add on the story of this episode or stories? I don't think there's anything that really stood out other than that for me. So yeah, I think we covered most of the ground. We'll come right back to another great segment that I'm very excited to share with you listeners right after the break. We're here in this abandoned warehouse talking to someone who didn't use Flipper Media to produce their podcast. Sir, what do you have to say? Hey, let me out of here. Flipper Media, online media production and consulting. To jumpstart your projects, go to flipper.media. And we're back, and it's time for a great segment that I think would have been a favorite from episode one had we been able to leave it in. Unfortunately, we had to cut it for time because after you go over an hour when you're talking about a 22-minute episode, you're not just geeks anymore. You're you're obsessive, dangerously Kermit, obsessive. Kermit might even call you dorks. Yes, he would because that's a word in his vocabulary now. Anyway, this segment is called Favorites, in which we're going to give our favorite story arc, favorite scene, and our favorite line or set of lines. So, would you like me to go first, Steve, or would you like to go first? Either way is fine. Oh, I'll go first. So, my favorite scene is actually the cold open of the show, where Yolanda is trying to get them to sign the birthday card for Sweetums, which we didn't really talk about Sweetums' birthday, but it didn't really make much of a difference in the overall episode. But my favorite part of this, um, uh, Floyd had, had a funny little joke saying about how, how bir- he doesn't sign cards. Birthdays are just a, a greeting card company holiday. But then Zoot s- starts to sign it and Yolanda scolds him and says, uh-uh, no, no dirty pictures. So number one, the Muppets draw dirty pictures and birthday cards. But then no, number two. No, no, Zoot draws dirty pictures. Okay, and, the, okay that's true. birthday cards. That, that's true. So then, so then Zoot... Uh, looks at it and says, because we don't know what he was drawing. We don't know what kind of dirty picture it was until he says, 
Well, maybe I can make it look like a saxophone. Now, that was funny right there. And that, as I said earlier, is what I want to see Zoot do every week. That was pretty funny. Do you? Uh, so I guess I can give my favorite scene now. The problem is it's really, really hard for me to pick a favorite scene from this episode because there are so many that I like. There really However, are. However, I'm probably going to give it to the scene in which Lips had a line. Mm-hmm. Simply yeah. because we got to see all these different characters around the table again, and so many of them had good, clever things to say. Because we got Scooter's funny pre-show cry, uh, we got the interruptions, or rather intercuts, to Kermit, in which he was celebrating it being Code Green, and he said that he uh, uh, woke up to the sound of his alarm instead of the sound of his own screaming. Yeah, and that was good. <laughs> that imagery is so funny. <laughs> Oh, my. I don't know. There hasn't been a Muppet line that's made me crack up like that one in a while, I got to say. Oh, yeah. And so all of that was basically in the same scene, as well as Lips's line and Dr. Teeth's line about the um, the sushi. Everything about the the, uh, prison sushi versus the gas station sushi. So I guess they've actually been in prison before and tried the prison sushi. That's something else that we could hear more about. Sure. Yeah. Let's see a flashback to their time in prison. That would be a fun thing to add to the show. It was probably uh, before they were happy legally. Yeah. That would actually. uh, Yeah, probably true. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. So, yeah, that's probably my favorite scene. My favorite story arc is going to be the general one with Miss Piggy because I thought that was a great use of Miss Piggy. Yep, agreed. I thought that was funnier than the storyline with Bobo and the Newsman, which seemed a little bit random, a little bit like it was just killing time, even though it did certainly have its fun moments. And it's always great to see. It's very evocative of what happens in offices when it's Girl Scout cookie time, believe me. Mm, Yeah, and it's it's also nice to see uh, that the Newsman sometimes comes over from the news station across the street, presumably ABC News. I don't know, but man, we've got to see more of that, too. Yes, we do. I want to. I'm ready for the rivalry between the news teams and the Muppets. Oh gosh, yes. That will be great if it they do. Will it. yes. Let's make a list of all of the ideas that we need to tweet to the writers of the new Muppet Show, and then let's tweet Bob Kushnell endlessly. Yes, yes, we will. So that's my favorite story arc, favorite scene, and you said your favorite story arc was the general one with Miss Piggy as well. I agree with that. Yep. Okay, then that just leaves favorite lines. And this is a really hard one because there are so many great quotable Muppet lines in this show. Where do we even begin? Well, and that's a great question. Where do we begin? I can tell you what my great, what my, that, I can tell you what my favorite human line is. And that is uh, Josh Groban saying, but wouldn't it be better if everyone in the world were more like me? <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> he was really, like, Come obviously, right? Like his facial expression, his facial expressions actually sold everything about that scene. Because again, so like tight-lipped, condescending smile, trying to quote unquote handle Kermit. That was brilliant. It was hilarious. I didn't think Josh Groban was capable of being that funny. That's my human line. Um, well, I mean, uh, but, he oh is gosh. a piano god, so there's no telling what he can and cannot do. Well, now this is very true. Yes. Um, as far as favorite Muppet line, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. Well, I, I'll I'll use my my Zoot line, I guess, because that was really that really was my funny joke. I mean, that was, I mean, that really was my favorite joke of the whole thing. 
Wow, someone's a really big Zoot fan. I'm a Zoot fan. I love the new hat, too. Did I yes. mention that? I was thinking about that as well. That is a great new hat for him. I love that's, that. That's a heck of a hat there. And did you see Beaker's new shirt? I did see Beaker's new shirt. That was very nice. Yes. Beaker was great when Miss Piggy was so kind to him. And then he was, after he'd been told that he looked very handsome in it, he's like, uh, like I don't know how to describe it. He was being such a show off and so proud of himself for looking handsome. Yes, and this is just for me, but might I just say that the puppeteer of Beaker in that scene did a very, very good job. We can continue now. Okay. Yes. I'm assuming that means something to somebody that it, it wouldn't does, mean to me. Yeah, Moving okay. right along. Yeah, for my favorite human line, I'm going to give it to Lawrence Fishburne when he said, Sorry, Kermit, I had a really rough oh, night last yeah. night. I watched your show and it sucked. <laughs> and it sucked. And his laugh as he sped off. Oh, my God. <laughs> so funny. So, so good. I guess I agree with you now, Steve, that this episode is much stronger than the first. Mm-hmm. And may it just keep growing stronger and stronger and stronger all the time. But for my, favorite, for my favorite Muppet line, because the Swedish chef was so awesome in this, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have to give favorite line to him, which is, pig and degropen degropen. Yeah, and that's a really strong line. Once again, to a child, that will sound like Swedish gibberish, so you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, oh gosh, the imagery that comes with what was happening with uh, between uh, Groban and Piggy is wild. That is... Moving on, let's get out of this, because this is getting awkward, and go to everyone's favorite segment, or at least it's mine and probably Steve's, A Toast and a Roast. Yay! This is the segment in which we get to toast whoever we want, and then we get to roast whoever we, uh, whoever we want, not necessarily in that order. So, Steve, would you like to go first? Okay, I will toast. That's too bad because I'm going to go first. I'm oh. kidding, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Um, I guess I will toast Josh Groban for being such a good sport. I had no idea that he could actually have as much fun as he did with the Muppets when we watched him, oh, those many years ago in Muppets Most Wanted, where he was literally on screen for a, a matter of seconds. Uh, but he he played perfectly with the characters. He fit in really, really well with everything that they did. He was a successful butt of the joke. He certainly was a great butt. He, I was, I was going to let you take that one. Thank I'll you. I'll hire him as a butt anytime. Gender is fluid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then... For a roast, that's really hard because I couldn't really find too many faults with this episode. Um, you know what? I'll go with Rizzo just because what? I have a lovely recipe for blackened rat. Okay. I'm going to start with my roast. Come on. That's funny. That just grosses me out, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not laughing at that one. You may laugh at your own joke, but I'm grossed out by that one. For my roast, I'm going to roast Denise for not being there. Oh, yeah, that's good. I mean, this was a great time for Kermit because finally Piggy wasn't being a problem for him. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, of all the times to go hang out with Kermit and make his life even more wonderful, that's a great opportunity. So where was Denise? I wanted to see her some more in this episode because I'm still, I still haven't seen enough of her to form an opinion on her. And yet people are going to... Okay, no one's going to ask for my opinion on her, but I still want to tell people my opinion on her, so I need to have one. So I'm roasting Denise in this episode for not being there. 
Uh, I'm tempted to toast Kim for not being there, but I'm not going to do that. I'll wait till her own spin-off comes out, and then I will toast her all the time. I'm going to toast Pepe, because finally we're getting to see a very, very strong King Pranoge. He is not limited to his usual dialogue, his usual shtick, but he is becoming the funny character that, based on his brilliant performer, we always knew he could be. And I say that that is due to largely the writers who really understand the characters and have been doing an excellent job with these uh, with this series. I cannot commend the writers enough. I am very, very impressed. Although, I should also say thanks to the people who have been working on shooting the show, to giving it its great look, and the director, and all that stuff has just... Everything has come together perfectly to make for a wonderful series thus far. Yes, Do you have anything bravo, to add, Steve? Bravo, bravo, okay. By the way, I did think of another Statler and Waldorf uh, moment when they actually liked what the Muppets did. Oh, what did you think of? I thought of... Um, uh, my old man said, follow the van and don't oh, dilly dally yeah. on the way. They got really into that number. They love those old songs. And uh, my dear old Dutch, they love that one. You're right. They, they like some of the old stuff there. Yep. If so. it's the old songs from when they were less old. Less old. old. Yes. <laughs> we were both thinking it because they've, uh, it's, why haven't they ever recorded a version of Forever Young called Forever Old? Oh, either either song called Forever Young. You could use either one. You really Alpha could. or Rod Stewart. I don't care. Just, I want to mm-hmm. hear Statler and Waldorf sing Forever Old. Yeah, yeah. Which is what's coming up in episode three of The Muppets on ABC. Oh, God, I hope not. I thought you liked the idea, Stephen. What's going on? I'm, continue. Just, well, hey, what's coming up next week? What's coming up next week is an episode that has a name that I can't remember, but I'm looking it up right now. Okay. I should know this already. Uh... Sorry, I had my intern do all of this research in advance so that this wouldn't happen. The problem is my intern is Kim. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's right. I remember this title now. Bear Left, Then Bear Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And this episode is written by Dave Kaplan, Greg Mettler, Nell Scovell, and Steve Rudnick. I don't know those names. Do you know those names? I don't either, actually. No, I don't think I do. I think the the name Steve Rodnick kind of rings a bell, but I'm not sure why. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But okay, that's cool. I'm confused. But whatever, hey, as long as they keep doing a good job with the characters, then I am fine. And hey, what's that episode going to be about, does it say? Well, I know that it's going to have something to do with uh, Fozzie takes things a little too far when Kermit offers him advice and Nick Offerman steps in to help the gang. Meanwhile, Christina Applegate uh, guests on Up Late and brings Miss Piggy a sweet surprise that doesn't go over well and Pepe, Rizzo, and Liam Hemsworth try to help Gonzo out with his online dating situation. Wait a second, Gonzo has an online dating situation? I thought he was with Camilla. There's this is so weird, right? Like no one is with who we expect them to be with. Uh, I mean, characters are 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 very surprising all over the place. You so. know what I just realized? 
I mean, we've talked a bit about how we haven't seen Walter at all so far in this show, but right. it just occurred to me that we haven't seen Ralph the Dog so far in this show. No, we all. haven't. However, have episode not. three, we get to finally go to, well, right where we are now, Steve, at Ralph's Tavern. Hey, all right. We get to come here. Right here. Yes. Perfect. Except in well, the that TV mean, I show. I guess that means, wait, that means all the Muppets are coming here, right? We won't be the only two ones here next week. Yeah, that's true. That's going to make things awkward. All right. Yeah. So let's agree not to tell them that we're doing this show. Okay. We won't tell them. That didn't sound won't. sincere, Steve. Well, no, I'm just saying this is going to be on a podcast. So if someone listens to it, they'll know, right? The, they'll know when they hear. They'll know when they hear. Good grief, the comedian's a bear. And Darn. with that, we come to the end of another episode of Let's Talk Muppets. So, Steve, please tell the listeners where they can find your podcast, The MuppetCast, at MuppetCast.com. You're not going to interrupt me? I make no promises. You sure? Sure, go ahead. Okay. Hi, I'm Steve Swanson, host of The Muppet Cast, which you can find at MuppetCast.com. My email address is me, M-E, at MuppetCast.com. You can also find the show at MuppetCast.com slash Facebook, MuppetCast.com slash iTunes, and the Twitter feed is at MuppetCast. And now it's back to me. Hi, I'm J.D. Hansel of MuppetHub.com. I want to thank you guys for submitting suggestions to the Dirty Muppets project. Thank you for not interrupting me, by the way. I really appreciate that. Sure. Anytime. Thank you for returning the favor. Anyway, thank you guys so much for sending in some ideas for the Dirty Muppets project. I'm going to keep working on that so that we can compile the dirtiest reel of Muppet stuff ever put together in one video production. It's going to be terrible. You will hate it. You will hate it. And also, uh, thank you for playing along in our live tweets, because over at the Let's Talk Muppets feed on Twitter, at New Muppet Show, we have been live tweeting each new episode, and it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for your interactions. I've really been enjoying that. And also, thank you for checking us out on YouTube at the 11 Point Collar YouTube channel. Now, for more from Muppet Hub, be sure you're visiting MuppetHub.com. Like us on Facebook at MuppetHub.com slash Facebook. Subscribe to this in iTunes at MuppetHub.com slash iTunes. And the Twitter feed is at JD11PC, JD11PC. That's where you'll find me, and that's where I can't wait to see us talk more about Muppets. If you have anything you'd like to say to me, you can tweet me there, you can send us a message on Facebook, you can leave a comment on this show, on the YouTube page, or on MuppetHub.com. I'll see it either way. And be sure to send an email with your thoughts on this episode to me at MuppetHub.com. We want to get to talk about what you have to say in the next episode of Let's Talk Muppets. Or at least I want to talk about what you have to say. I want everyone to be a part of this. When I say let's talk Muppets, I want all of us to talk Muppets. We are going to get Ralph's Tavern very, very crowded. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think that's it for this episode. So, until next time, I don't have a sign-off yet. Steve, what was your sign-off from last week? Uh, I don't think I had a, a sign-off, per se. But, uh, but I will see everyone next time if I'm here. So bye. That's a terrible sign-off, Steve. Have fun. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. That's it. You're done. Should be more fun. I was going to say that. Oh, man.
I had to be you do it because I knew you'd think of it eventually. Well, I was waiting for it, but yeah, no, that's 